Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 630 of the Milk Bar. Jason Price here with you as ever. And coming up on the show this week, we'll be joined by Dr. Alex and uh, we'll be finding out about an alcohol-free spirit which can help you avoid anxiety. That concern that you have that uh, going out clubbing, now the clubs are reopening, is going to be leaving you in a bit of a state the following day and all the shenanigans that go along with it. Plus, on top of that, we'll be catching up with AJ and Curtis Pritchard and Adrian Jackson as we talk about Cinderella at the Grand Theatre. On top of that, well, we've got a couple of authors for you. Uh, we'll be hearing from Chris White, finding out about his latest book for kids, Shell, and also another children's novel from Anita Stone as well. That's on the way on the show. Plus, we've got music from Dinky, having a natter with Gav from the band there. And also, we'll be finding out about cheese cuisines, fromage and fiction. It is the UK's first cheese, wine and book club. Uh, they've sent me some goodies to try out, including some fantastic cheeses, which are currently in the fridge. And uh, we'll be having a natter about that as we find out how that came together and the wonderful product they have available. That's all on the way on The Milk Bar this week. <laughs> With the Grand Theatre due to open on the 19th of July, there are several one-nighters, and then from September it gets really busy with some absolutely amazing touring productions. CEO Adrian Jackson joins you now. Tell me more. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you? I'm good. You all right? Yes, very well. Thank you. Lovely to be back. And you know, back in the theatre and uh, able to have a, a nice chat in a relaxing environment. The other side of us at the moment, we can see the entire auditorium. And... It's not been a quiet time for you, because although the ghost light's been on, there's been quite a lot of work happening. It certainly has, yeah. I mean, we've had to keep the, the machine moving, we've had to keep tickets being sold, we've had to keep the whole kind of, uh, all the back office services running, and we had a major flood in February, which was a disaster, mm -hmm. and we've had a lot of repair work to do. So the theatre's had a little bit of a makeover during this time, but not quite what we planned. Yeah, but had it not been for, for lockdown, that flood would have been even more of a disaster. Well, it, it wouldn't have happened, really, because the, pr the, the, the problem with having a theatre like this locked up is because things like that can happen. You mm -hmm. know, normally this theatre's open probably seven days a week, almost 24 hours a day, so floods don't tend to happen, or serious floods don't tend to happen. Because so someone sees what's going on. Exactly, so, so it wouldn't it wouldn't really have been a, a major issue but as a, uh, you know it, it was a very major issue mm -hmm. as it turned out well now as it stands the industry starting to bounce back there's an awful lot going on and there's movement within shows and i know that you and the uh, the team here are, are working around that uh, and uh, obviously some shows have been lost through no no fault of your own and but you are welcoming everything that is uh, is going to be out there and has been in plan and, and some of it's moved and other bits are brand new to the stage yes we've uh, i mean we've moved a lot of productions uh, i think the we're opening with um francis rossi next monday and i think we've moved that probably four times mm -hmm. and uh, dizzy, probably yeah <laughs> and the audience fortunately you know they moved w w with with the date so mm -hmm. uh, and then we've got we've rescheduled an awful lot during uh, next year and it's been a massive uh, a massive rescheduling exercise but we we haven't lost m a major amount of stuff but uh, we've managed to reschedule most 
And, and, and that's the exciting part, though, because people have been eagerly anticipating some of mm. these shows, and the most eagerly anticipated show of the eagerly anticipated shows, Cinderella. Yes. And uh, your chance to do panto on stage, under one roof, everything being from the grand, and about the audience that you know so well. Absolutely. I mean, panto is such a major part of any theatre's diary, and it's something that involves a whole family, in a lot of cases, it's, it's it, you know, the young children, it's their first exposure to theatre. And it's something that we all did. And to, last year was devastating not to actually have Panto here mm -hmm. and, and for the theatre to be silent. But this year, we're hoping that it will be back in all its glory. And, um, and yeah, keep fingers crossed. And, and you get to uh, work your artistic director muscles as well? <laughs> a little bit, yes. We've got a little bit. Of, I'm getting involved um, musically in, 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 this, in, in this production, yes. Uh, but with AJ and Curtis, uh, the, the, the Pritchard brothers, uh, yeah, the, the helm when it comes to choreography, I suppose they're going to have a, a, a bit of involvement there, should we say? I, I would think so, yes, but you don't expect me to get involved in the choreography. <laughs> Maybe if they choreograph something, could you, could you, no, you don't fancy no, a walk-on no, part? No, no, no. Okay, no, we won't, we won't well subject you to that. that. <laughs> but even then, looking forward to 2022, and... Uh, yeah, there's opportunities there. I mean, that calendar is filling up rapidly, isn't it? I mean, the whole industry is starting to bounce back. And again, I'm, su I'm sure you're thinking towards yet another in-house production, uh, the likes of the History Boys that we saw just before lockdown began. So, uh, you know, there's uh, a, a great opportunity ahead, a lot of talent out there that's waiting for work. And I I'm sure that you'll be quite keen to get something on stage again in maybe a more dramatic lilt. Yes, I mean, one of the big uh, problems the, the industry has, has faced during all of this is the the financial pressure mm -hmm. and the you know we haven't had an audience we haven't had any income and that has had devastating consequences and yes we've had some government support but it's not like you know when you've lost all your ancillary sales your bar sales etc etc it soon mounts up and mm -hmm. and what that's done here is it set us back a little bit mm -hmm. so we may have to wait just that little bit long before we are able to produce another uh, piece of drama or a musical play or whatever but we will do it we will come back but it may just be maybe 2023 perhaps it's a chance to um, settle down yeah but, but the amount of planning that goes into this i i, I wouldn't expect anything before then necessarily because the amount of, mm. of effort and getting everything in place that goes into it absolutely and I, and I think the uh, you know all theatres are faced with the same thing so so we'd be looking probably 2023 and we'll start the planning next year so something to look forward to there absolutely. and again uh, I know you'll be able to keep us posted on everything that's happening with that there's a lot going forward and it, it with spotlight magazine coming out as well i think that's really helped to to get the grand's message across yeah we wanted to do something a little bit different uh, new format um, we've been closed for quite a long time let's let's reopen with, with something different and that's what we've done it's gone around down really well mm -hmm. and we'll be working on our next one very soon so that's something to look out for grandtheatre.co.uk you can see everything that is happening find all the details there most importantly get yourself booked for panto i think that's the, that's the Absolutely. moral of that story yeah. 01902 42921 to the box office number for that and the team are there and again they're also helping out for those who, who've been moving tickets around they've done an absolutely sterling job throughout haven't they they certainly have they've been working solid uh, monday to friday throughout this whole uh, nightmare and uh, hopefully we'll get everybody fitted in and slotted in in the right place so Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> well, it's, it's something, something to look forward to. Yeah. Being back is the important part. And uh, uh, we, we look forward to uh, some amazing shows. Thank you very much. Author, and I'm told also sometimes ballroom dancer, Anita Stone now joins me for a bit of a natter about all to do with her work. Hello. Hi, Jason. Thank you for having me. Well, good to talk to you. And uh, you've got a series of books out, I believe. 
I've just released my first book. And, however, I've written a second, so there will be a series eventually. I think it, it, it's on the verge. So tell us a little bit more about this one, because it questions uh, what a princess may get up to during the day. Yes, it, it's called So What Does a Princess Do All Day? It is a story about a young boy who employs the help of a prince and a princess in order to save a woodland, which he is absolutely besotted with. He oh. loves his woodland, um, but he finds that there are some villains who want to burn it down, so he, he finds help. And when it comes to, to writing, I'm going to guess, based on this, for a, a younger audience, uh, you, you, you really have to find some way of connecting with them, but still telling a fantastic tale. And I think that is a, an important part of being an author when it comes to you know, kids who've got a, a set of experiences, but you can actually help to expand that through the stories that you write. I think young people at the moment are very much into the environment and that's and I am as well that's why I picked the subject it's very close to my heart especially during the last year going out walking and seeing walking through woodlands have has been very beneficial and I think a lot of people are discovering that and also I think young people today understand that protecting habitats and, and woodlands and, and wildlife is is going to be very important in the coming years. And also taking on board the social influencer side of things too. Uh, people who have the ability to reach a large number of people to get something done, which can be environmentally positive. And I think there are times when we think, hang on, we need more people, the likes of David Attenborough, and yeah. maybe some of the things that Prince Charles has said over the years, yeah. which are, are, yeah, they're high profile and they get to get a message across about the importance of our environment. Well. I think that all of my books will have an element of um, environmental protection. And if I gain an audience that would, a larger audience, that would be fantastic. Um, I always try to do my bit. Um, I've got my solar panels. So I know it's a bit of a luxury, they cost money, but recycling is something that everyone can do. And um, if you do have the luxury of a small garden, planting things for the bees and creating little habitats there, yeah, and, and equally, I think uh, our, our works of fiction and drama need to make sure that they're reflecting the right kind of message without it becoming overpowering. I mean, here yeah. you're telling a story about passion, and that's good. Uh, yet, you know, we, we, we often see uh, adrenaline fueled car chases and stuff that actually there the, the could be a, a, a second side to it, which shows more of what's really going on in an environmental way. We've never once yet seen uh, James Bond recycle anything after he's had a cocktail shake and not stir. And also, uh, when you do watch television, pe people buy water in plastic bottles. And I think you can be subtle and still influence people. So the story is about saving a woodland, but that's not all there is. There's, there's just lots of fun and, and cheekiness in there as well. It's just an underlying message that I hope will be picked up on. Now, you've got to tell me more about the ballroom dancing I've been hearing you about. I have been a ballroom dancer for 40 years. Um, I Perhaps I just never had in, enough imagination to give up. I just kept dancing. And more recently, I've been able to compete. I have a dance partner who makes me wonderful gowns, which is lovely, a bonus. And um, in a few months we hope to be back competing obviously Blackpool is a place which is my second home mm -hmm. 
and um, yeah, we can't wait to get back. It was quite painful not being able to you know, get together and practice during the months when we weren't allowed to. I think through something like dancing, again, this it's all tied in with the same sort of theme. It's, it's a good way of getting exercise without being too high impact on our environment. And uh, it's also about you know, pleasure and expression. And I think, it's, again, we, all that we're doing here requires us to, to express uh, our thoughts and, and, and get across the, the right message to people that as, as we are doing things. And we can do that through our actions and our hobbies and, and how we, uh, we spend time with loved ones. Even if I'm feeling a bit down, once I've gone and danced, I feel better. If I, if I think that I've, um, it, it just awakens my mind as well. Um, that's probably the biggest muscle you use during dancing is your mind because you've got mm. to think of the next step and, and how to dance it. So it, it is good for mental health. Um, it is reputed to be very good for people um, to protect people against dementia. There's some, some good box ticking them there. Oh, yeah. But, but equally, <laughs> I have a growth foot along the way as well. So I'm, I'm liking that completely. Mm. And when you uh, come to the writing, obviously, if you've been ballroom dancing for 40 years, the writing's been on a bit of a backseat for a while. So, so why now? I actually wrote the first book a couple of years ago. And uh, simply because I had this idea in my head and it would not go away. So the way I dealt with that was, I'll write it down. Mm -hmm. And then it sat there because a children's book needs a, an illustrator, in my opinion. And I never found the time to find that special illustrator. Um, and then I realized, well, if I don't find the time now without the dancing, I never will. And I found my wonderful illustrator, Joe Shepherd, um, who is just perfect, perfect for the humor. He's, we get on like a house on fire and he's very keen to do book two as well. So that's something to look forward to. Yeah. He's going to be serious. And there will be many more to come, I am sure. Mm -hmm. uh, how do we get hold of the book and, and where do we find out more about you and your work? Okay. The book is available on Amazon um, online and Waterstones. Um, and my website is www.princessrose.uk. Now it's not co.uk if you accidentally type that in you'll get a scottish chinese restaurant okay so we, we, i'm peckish but we won't go there you know you've got it that's a bit, bit too far to deliver <laughs> uh, so uh we will uh, look forward to more of that so it's princessrose.uk you can get more on the books as they become books rather than book singular and uh, it's like a series to to follow that flows from your mind and uh, very much your consciousness and, and conscientiousness as well Thank you. Well, we'll look forward to, to that. For now, Anita Stone, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Jason. Thank you for having me. Cheese Cuisine have launched Fromage and Fiction, the UK's first cheese, wine and book club. Three things that kind of go together exceptionally well, but you've never had them in one package before. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Jeremy Cleric. Good afternoon to you, sir. Happy afternoon to you too. Thanks for having me. Well, good to have you along. So, I've, I've got some great stuff you popped over to me. I received this box in the post this week, uh, and this contains a sneak preview of August's offering for your members. This is something which is uh, uh, underway, launched in uh, July. So, tell us a, a bit about how it came about to start off with. Well, we launched Cheese Cuisine back in January, and the whole idea of the website is to sort of champion British cheese, create content like recipes and interesting things for people to sort of devour. Uh, and in the starting process, we had this idea of a book club, and it was just sort of the, the beginning ideas of it. Um, and then 
we had one an author Del Parks uh, you take one of our cheese boards and kind of postpone Instagram so we had some chats with her and we're like do you think this would fly we're kind of really interested in it so we sort of developed the product from there leaning in the direction of um, of, of supporting new and emerging authors so our first book Julia Henderson's is um, is her first novel uh, and then this is Richard Roper's second novel that you've got there. The book is selected uh, in the same way as you're, you're dealing with the, the rest of the products too, because this is all sort of brought together to make a package. Uh, so you, you mentioned uh, Norman Foreman, which is, as I say, that, that first book, which has been uh, entertaining your audiences for July. As we head into August, the, what people can order now. Uh, so we've got When We Were Young, Richard Roper there, and a lovely hardback copy of a book. I mean, that in itself says, you know, it's something to sit down and relax with. We all like a good hardback book, don't we? Yeah, that was the idea. A lot of new books get released in the hardbacks. We've got kind of exclusive use with them and, um, and opportunities with the author to have interaction. And one of the products we do is an event with the author you can have with the ticketed event. So it's sort of getting the books and getting promotion for the authors before the soft uh, copies come out later, like a year later. But the, the, the package itself uh, arrives looking fantastic. Uh, you've got a, a bottle of hand-selected wine in there. We have cheese, we have crackers here, and uh, we have got a rather nice-looking chutney too. Uh, but uh, I mean the, the cheeses themselves, so, so here we have a, a range of three cheeses. This is pretty much standard for what you offer? Yeah, yeah, it'll be three cheeses, and they're all designed around the author's book. Um, so in this case, Richard's book, uh, he came up with the idea while walking the Thames path. Uh, and the book has settings along there. So we want to choose cheeses all to the area. So we've got Oxford uh, Isis, um, the Oxford Cheese Company. Uh, we've got Wither Ridge from Nettle Bed. And then we've got Kearney Ash and Kearney. So they're all sort of from places near the novel too. And, and how do these cheeses work as far as cheeses go? Because obviously whenever you're having cheese and wine and crackers and a good bit of chutney thrown in for good measure, you, everybody has slightly different tastes. And I think we've got a, a range really here. I mean, the Oxford Isis, uh, which is Isis being the name of the Thames, uh, before it becomes the Thames, uh, yeah, that, that in itself is a soft cheese, uh, honey, mead, washed. I mean, what on earth is going on there? This just sounds like heaven in a small wooden container. Yeah, so it's, it's a classic rind wash style cheese, um, but done with honeymead instead. So it's a bit pungently and kind of funky on the nose, but not quite as intense on the palate. It's got a nice creaminess, a nice fruitiness to it. So a fans of Stinking Bishop will like it. And I think it's, it, but it's not over the top like a lot of rind wash cheeses can be. Um, a lot of it is, again, opportunities for people to kind of go outside their, their sort of box and explore new cheeses too. Things that they might not pick from the counter because they're a little bit nervous from. This gives an opportunity for people to try new things because we've worked with the author. We've given them like 12 or 13 different options of cheeses and worked with them to select. It really is a cheese board made with the author. They've tried all the cheeses. They've talked about the wines they like. They've tasted the wines with the cheese. Uh, Merchants creates a great video for us of tasting the cheese. In the future, hopefully when this all sells down, we'll actually go to authors and we'll sit down together and do cheese tastings with them. Mm -hmm. but for now, we have the world of Zoom like we're doing right now. We, where working with uh, Richard to kind of pick those cheeses. So it really is designed with the author and their book. And uh, also we've got a, a second soft cheese here. Tell us a bit about that one. Yeah, so Coney Ash is a small uh, ghost cheese producer. They only do two cheeses. They're mini ash and uh, full ash. So it's a classic edible ash, not a strong ghost cheese. Quite again, not overly farmy, really fresh bit acidity to it. And, uh, and a harder cheese as well. Tell me about this. this yeah, one. so Wither Ridge. Wither Ridge by now um, is, um, it's actually aged in um, hay. So you'll mm -hmm. actually see little bits of hay on it and it's all edible. I kind of reckon it to sort of uh, a British version of St. Nectaire. 
Um, and Rose is a very interesting cheese maker. We did a, um, a feature on her in our Women in Cheese series on our website, so you can read all about Rose on there. And this is something you do have experience of, cheese cuisine, uh, obviously working with cheese producers. And I think, it, again, it's something that we have an awful lot of in the UK that we don't often explore well enough. We may go on holiday to, to yeah, bits of our aisles and, and try something different and we'll bring a pack home because we love it. But it's having access to it on the regular basis and having something that ties in with it as well. And this is where this whole yeah, book club with cheese and wine sort of works together. And uh, like, uh, we, we talk about Zoom meetings. Are you kind of getting together and having a group session with uh, various members as well? Or is that something maybe a few people sign up to and uh, and do in their own right? Yeah, so there's, there's kind of a multiple facets where and venues we're kind of putting it through. So we've got a Facebook group and we've got a Goodreads group where uh, people who have read the book and have a cheese board can kind of get on to discuss. Um, our authors will do Instagram live events. And then one of the three products we do on our website is like I said, it's a deluxe edition where you get a ticketed event a limited uh, person event with the author to discuss it so an online zoom event where the author can do a reading take um, questions and learn more about that and then we also have a product designed for actual book groups so if you're hosting your book group you can purchase the book group product where you get the book first and then you tell us when you want a much larger cheese board enough for six to eight people sent to you so when you're hosting your club meeting you have the cheeses for everybody to eat and then of course there's just the the normal personal uh, edition with the cheese board for good for one to two people the book and then optional wine pairings you don't have to buy the wine that kind of pops up and that's all about just sort of giving yourself a little bit of me time relaxing sitting on your couch in your conservatory having a glass of wine eating some cheese getting yourself sort of deep inside the book and just sort of relaxing and getting away from the world and the noise of the world Oh, it sounds like a uh, great way of spending a relaxed summer evening. It uh, sounds absolutely perfect. And uh, so everything is selected uh, you know, for you. Uh, so you, there are wine options. So uh, you could maybe, if you've got a choice of going for red or a sparkling or that sort of thing. Yeah, we'll have a couple of wines always, again, that were designed to pair with the, uh, with the cheese. Um, I've got a background in wine. Um, worked in Australia and Canada in the wine industry. So it's a big passion line pairing wine and cheese. So those are specifically paired. We've got lots of wines on our website, so if you want to pick something else, but there'll be a little pop-up when you uh, make an order, tell you the wines that the author selected uh, that go with the cheese. You can always add that in too. And, and can you basically be left in your hands and say, I'd like the box with all of this each month, you choose it for me? Yeah, sort of. We, we haven't set it up as a subscription service. We don't want people to be tied in. Not every book we're going to do is going to be everybody's cup of tea. So more we hope to kind of create a community that keeps coming back to us and pick and choose the different books they want. Uh, there might be periods where we have two or three books on a go and a period where we don't necessarily have one. It all depends on, on sort of the publishing, what books are coming out. You know, we're not going to do a book just for the sake of it. It, it really needs to fit in with sort of, I have to love it first and foremost. I've been very busy uh, reading proofs and deciding what our next books are going to be, which is definitely a fun part of the job. Um, and, uh, and yeah, once a book sort of looks like it will work, it has a, a, an area connection with cheeses. It doesn't have to be about food or anything. Um, the funny thing about Norman Foreman, which is um, still obviously available on our website, there's still, um, it's just launched only a few weeks ago. Uh, there's a story about a young lad sort of working his way up to Edinburgh to try to be, uh, do a comedy routine in memory of his good friend Jack who passed away sadly at 11. And it's kind of one of those really heartfelt uh, books with a lot of comedy in it. And um, so we've chosen cheeses for that one from areas that he goes. So there is a cheese up in Scotland, there's a cheese in Cornwall where the book starts, and there's a cheese uh, in Wales. And so that's really a journey book. So any novels that sort of take you on a journey or have close connections to someplace in the UK is kind of the books that we're after. 
Well, I say it's uh, an amazing concept. The, the, the fact this is the first is, uh, number one, a surprise. Number two, where has it been all these people's lives? I mean, this is a chance to enjoy uh, a great product delivered to your door and uh, with some brilliant work uh, in the written form and, I say, a, a wonderful range of cheeses and the wines, which you guys know all about. I'm looking forward to the crackers as well. That chutney does look rather tasty. I will be indulging a little later on for those who equally wish to get themselves uh, into the the wonderful world of uh, uh, fromage and fiction where do they go to yeah so just head to our website cheese cuisine one word.co.uk if you google cheese cuisine you'll find us too uh and it's fromage and fiction is what the club's called you'll find it right on the top of our main page you just go to the fromage and fiction tab and it's all right there well jeremy thank you for joining us thank you for sharing cheese and the love of uh, good books and good wine at the same time and uh, we, we look forward to continued success and i hope we catch up with you and some of your authors in the not too distant future lovely thank you jason Dinky have a brand new single, Jennifer Against the World. Who is Jennifer? We know who Dinky are. Gavin Medza is from the band and joins me now. Hello. Hello, sir. How are we doing? Very well, very hot. Well, yeah, I guess you're still wearing a winter hat. What's going on there? Well, I'm, I always wear a hat, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just never I started just wearing hats more and... Uh, I just prefer, I, I'm, I'm losing my hair, Jason, so I'm, you know, I'm at that self-conscious stage of my life where I need to wear hats. I've had to get over it, but now, equally, during the summer, I have to wear a hat, because otherwise I get particularly badly sunburned. We're having yes. glorious weather, and this is glorious time, some proper summer music, I think, and this, this says, wind all the windows down on the car if you haven't got a convertible, and listen to it as you drive at a sensible rate uh, off to the countryside or the seaside. I think, I think that works, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a bit about the track. Okay, so yeah, Jennifer Against the World. It's um, it's about uh, my wife, Jennifer. Um, so it's it's a bit of a, a tongue-in-cheek look at um, just some uh, real things that happened in our relationships when we when we first started going out. Um, I noticed that uh, Jennifer has a very short fuse um, and, and patience for things. It, it could and, just uh, be with you and not everybody else, but that's not just. Uh... <laughs> just I, I just found it fascinating, you know, uh, just. I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult to kind of uh, contextualise it, really. But, um, yeah, she, she's just one of these people that just um, isn't afraid to just speak her mind and just and just go a bit, what, <laughs> a bit crazy at times. And uh, well, Which means she's probably expressed an opinion on the track. So how does she feel about it? I think, she, well, I mean, obviously, the track isn't meant in a malicious way. It's just a bit of a tongue-in-cheek look. And I think, in retrospect, there are some events that happened, like, years ago that, at the time, were a bit a bit ropey. But, actually, you can kind of look back in hindsight and have a bit of a laugh about them. Um, you know, little minor road rage incidents and things like that. And, um, yeah, it's I, I, she's fine. She, I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, she likes the track. She gave us consent to use uh, childhood photos of her for the artwork and things yeah. like that. Um, the, the bit that I find really strange, though, is the fact that, that all the, the last week or two, I've just been doing lots of interviews about this track and it, I'm starting to feel like it's sort of a, maybe like marriage therapy or something like that. I don't know. Well, this is it. Well, I mean, maybe relates. We'll start getting everyone to write a song if they uh, have got anything to work through. And that can be good or bad. I mean, it's, I think this is part of cementing your relationship, isn't it? It's, it, it proves that uh, you got a good strength and some good fun in there. And yeah. I, I think part of the... Uh, I've listened to music. It's all about you know building up a passion and telling a story. And and when it's personal like this, it must make it great from performing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've always been a, a, a kind of per, a, in terms of songwriting. I 
I can't just write generic lyrics about things. Everything has to have a meaning. And, and so I tend to write really personal songs about my friends and family and uh, events that have happened in my life. And one of the reasons why I did that was because I have a terrible memory and I can't, I always forget things like just, I don't know why, I just have a really awful memory. So I start, when I started writing songs, it was kind of like an audible version of that memory, if you like. So it was mm-hmm. a way of me to collect these things that, kind of important to me or things that I'd like to remember and put them into songs and so the the last album was called Open Letters because it kind of occurred to me that all of the songs were these open letters to people about you know things that had happened and memories and things so yeah everything everything's kind of very quite self-referential or sort of intertextual I guess. And uh, the the rest of the band got uh, partners they wish to be adding to uh, the musical repertoire with at some point now could this open the floodgates? I mean, I think we've all got a Jennifer in our life. I would say that. Um, I think everybody knows a Jennifer. So I think we, we, we talked about potentially doing a, um, a, a new mix of the song where we just take the word Jennifer out and then you can just insert your own wife's name or girlfriend in there. So. Yeah. Sing along at home. I think that works well. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. You've had good fun doing the video as well. Yeah, the video was a lot of fun. So we, we asked... Um, we had, lot, we had lots of different versions of the video. Originally, it was going to be like a like a, an AA meeting type thing. <laughs> um, um, but we, we couldn't get it together for some reason. So um, we asked Jennifer if she'd be in the video, but she said no, <laughs> for obvious reasons. Um, so it was just kind of jokingly uh, sort of mentioned in a rehearsal, I think, that, that I should dress up as Jennifer. And I just went, yeah, OK. <laughs> but I don't think they were actually being serious at the time. So... Yeah, I um I found a uh, like a body double because I had to sort of we had to have like a body double in the video. Um, so my friend Marie, uh, who's done some singing with us and is in this other band that I'm starting, uh, she uh, was the sort of acting Jennifer. So you never see her face in the video; you just see the sort of back of her head. And uh, but she took me out. We went shopping for dresses and wigs, and uh, yeah. There's, a, there's a, actually a making of uh, feature on our YouTube channel which shows you some of the footage of. Um, the dress shopping and you know my transformation into uh, into Jennifer and more music to to come now dead in the not too distant future so uh, what else have got uh, got in the pipeline for Dinky yeah so we we sh- actually shot a video back in April um, for a song called Oxygen uh, which is probably going to be the last song from our current album um, but we decided to do the re-release for Jennifer because, like you said earlier, it just felt a bit more summer and it's getting a lot of radio play at the moment, so it's still very much an active track. Mm-hmm. Um, Oxygen will be coming out later in the year. I'm not sure when we're going to put that out, um, but that's finished. That's We finished editing that um, last month. And, um, yeah, we're just looking forward to playing live, actually, Jason. You know, it's been a, it's been a long time, hasn't it? And um, we're, we're rehearsing a lot more regularly now, so we're just getting back into the groove. So I think the plan is to just get playing and tr- trying to get out there a little bit more and we're writing new material so I think there's probably a third album in the pipeline at some point and we're making plans for some international shows as well I think that was the that was the kind of plan uh, before Covid hit was to try and uh, broaden our scope a little bit more and just go and have some adventures so I think there's going to be plenty in the pipeline it's just um, again it's just that waiting game of you know when it's safe to do this and when you're allowed to do that so Mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully, yeah, hopefully there's some good stuff coming up in the in the future. Well, I'm kind of hoping that there will actually be uh, Jennifer Against the World used as a, a bit of an encore, which gives you time for costume change at all the live gigs, because I think that will set <laughs> the, uh, the scene rather well. Uh, but uh, that, that in, in itself 
is uh, a song which I think it, it, it sort of embodies the, the listability of Dinky. And I think I said this to you last time we had a chat. I mean, you are just so easy to listen to. You, you kind of want to, even if you haven't got time. Yeah, I guess it's 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 quite um our music's quite poppy, I would say. And I don't think that that's that's necessarily a, a, a bad a dirty word, you know. I think I think there's nothing wrong with a good pop song. And I think we have that pop sensibility about our music. I think we we do have a lot of sort of other sort of elements and genres that we play with across all of the music that we write. But yeah, I think I think it's just a good, safe, radio-friendly track. And you know, and sometimes those are the ones that are just the, the easiest and the most fun to write, you know, they just fall out of you um and they're just they're just good fun to play as i say i think i think we never intended jennifer against the world to be like one of the sort of standout tracks from the album it was always seen as this track that we played okay in rehearsals but you know sometimes it sounded really good sometimes we'd be like yeah it's all right um but yeah it just it just turned out really well in the studio and then as i say it's just it seems to be everybody's route into the band over the last 12 months so everybody who's contacted us or bought albums have always said it's through well, I heard that song Jennifer and then I you know found out more about you so the song's been a, a really got a good track for us really you know it's had a lot of airplay as I say globally and um we just we just had to re-release it again and, and um give it a bit more of a, a proper release this time around well, it's going to get more airplay in a moment or two's time. Before we do, though, give us all the details on what we have so far and where to look for those gigs, whether we're travelling internationally or something a little closer to home. So currently, obviously, Jennifer Against the World is our brand new single. The video for that is on YouTube. Uh, there's also a making of feature, if you enjoy the video, on our YouTube channel at the moment. Uh, there's a free download of the single on our Bandcamp site, which is dinkymusic.bandcamp.com. Uh, we've dug out some B-sides as well, some rarities, uh, and that's all free to download. And uh, yeah, we're on Spotify, or, or just check the website, which is dinky-music.co.uk, and that's got links to all of the socials and everything that we're on, and that's the best place to find us. Absolutely. Well, do check that out. You will not regret it. I can guarantee that. Even if it's only for uh, you know, a fine selection of hats that you will no doubt get to see at uh, some point. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping there's a live gig set as well. Again, that's something else that can be changed partway through a set. It's quality. Gary Medza from Dinky, always a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jay. Thanks very
never stops drawing, apart from to draw breath and possibly write a few words down as well. Shell is his latest project. The books are available now, and so is Chris White for a chat. Hello. Hello there, Jason. How are you doing? I'm good. Good to catch up with you. Uh, we like to drop in every once in a while, and your output of work is best described as prolific. Well, you know, we've had a lot of time on our hands recently, haven't we? With not a lot to do, so um, I put it to good use. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but you're always busy anyway. I mean, uh, uh, we've said in the past the number of times that you've travelled around the world uh, entertaining and educating, and that's been happening uh, online in, uh, on occasion. Uh, but mostly you've been locked in that small room that you, we find you in now. And uh, yeah, this, this is the, uh, the birthplace of Shell. Yeah, well, actually, the Shell did appear. Um, it, it came from one of the trips I did abroad a few years ago. Um, where I actually hopped, occasionally get ones where I hopped to different countries. Mm -hmm. So I think I was in the Middle East for a couple of weeks. Then I went, to, was it India, then Shanghai? <laughs> and it was a bit of a, um, a, bit of a crazy schedule. And um, every night I set myself the task, as I do on every trip, to sit down every evening as I'm either having something to eat, you know, because you're on your own, so you, 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 know, you get bored of your own conversation after a while. So uh, every night when I'm sitting down something to eat, write um, a chapter of a book or a few poems or at least do something creative and most of the times on these trips i fail miserably <laughs> I a couple of days and then that's it i just get too tired or i want to explore or or whatever so um but on this trip this particular trip i actually i started writing shell and um i started enjoying it and thinking oh actually i think i'm onto something here so over the two or three, four weeks I was uh, travelling in different hotels and different countries, I actually sat down and was disciplined and wrote a chapter of Shell a night. The character themselves are, are just to your left as things uh, stand at this moment in time. And uh, we seem to have a, a snail with a ray gun. Uh, now this has all the, the trappings of a really good tale, I can tell. Yeah, you know what? I had a review for Shell um, and it hit the nail on the head. Um, it's one of those punch the air moments when they said it's um, Star Wars meets Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> and I thought, you know, you, you get, occasionally get a review of a book and you think, um, hang on, I didn't write that, did I? You know, and they completely missed the mark. And it's like, really? You got that from it? OK. But this one, it's like, yes, that's exactly what I was aiming for. Um, yes, it's a band of um, space-travelling, laser-blasting, planet-saving, peacekeeping creatures, of which our uh, snail here is, is kind of the leader. Yeah. Commander Skycrawler. Well, he's got great teeth, so... Yes, I mean, you know, you, that's the first thing you notice about a snail, isn't it? Yeah. yeah they have great teeth. And so, um, yeah, the, this band of uh, space heroes, they had one thing, they have to have one thing in common, and that is they have a shell. Okay. Okay, so that was the trickiest bit of writing the whole book. 
Let's see if we can do it now. We've, I have got a copy of the book here, but I'm not going to show you the cover because let's see if we can do this. Five members of a shelled space team. Well, you've got, so we've got a snail. snail. You've got a tortoise. Oh, well in, yeah. Tortoise. Can we cheat and have a turtle as well? Ah, I, you know what? I did think about this and I thought, is a turtle too similar to a tortoise? I'm saving the turtle for the sequel. Okay, that's great. Um, so we've got two so far. Uh, what else would have a shell? Yeah. Well, you get those hermit crabs who, who have a shell. Crab, ding! Um, crab. Uh, you've got various mollusks. Uh, are, are we are we talking oyster? Oh, is that where we're going? We a clam. Yes, a clam. A clam. Yeah, sits behind the desk and orders uh, the rest of the team about. We've oh. got one. I'm going to have to look because I can't remember myself. Um, 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 Ooh, yes. oh, let's see what I'll think of. Um, what would it's have a shell? Tricky, tricky. Um, I'll tell you. Go on, you're going to have to tell me. An armadillo. Ah, that I suppose. Yeah, uh, that that gives you all those possibilities of of, of some you know, serious land-based stuff and able to move faster. <laughs> exactly. That's just what I was thinking. And to round it off, because I needed one more actually, because the clam doesn't really do much action because he's sat behind the desk. Yeah. In a James Bond M kind of way. Um, the last one, I needed one more, so I cheated, and I came up with an, an egg-shaped robot. Okay. Yeah, called Eggy. That, that, that sounds like you've just been creative, which is allowed in your profession, isn't it? Thanks very much. So, um, so there we go. Yeah, look, there's, the, there's the cover and everything, lot. Wow, this looking good. And your artwork always is stunning, and and that again uh, does not disappoint, does it? There's there's there's, there's more crustacean type creatures and uh, and laser guns, and then you know quite what to do with. So that that works. I mean, what else do you need when you want a, a space-based um, action adventure? You need lasers. Although, you know, Jason, that, that's another tricky thing. Obviously, this is mostly a children's book, although plenty of adults have said they've enjoyed it too. Um, you can't really go killing people in children's well, books. Well, well, no, no, you don't. I mean, but you can use it to protect and uh, and, and create a, a safe environment. So I get that the lasers, um, again, I had to think of different ways for lasers because you can't have them, can't you know... Pfft shooting people to bits and everything. So we had to have different settings on the lasers, like um, stepped on a piece of Lego. <laughs> or that, stuck in place with a nettle. That, the, the, the Lego sounds horrendous, because we've all been I mean, there. that's the worst. I went, in, I went in at the deep end then. That's the, that's the worst one you can think of. Yeah, absolutely. So this, it's a, a, a way of uh, uh, having a bit of fun with it too. And I, I love what you do. I love your work. You're always... A, Terribly, terribly entertaining, sir. And uh, I mean, the the whole concept of, of this is slightly mad, which I think is a good starting point. It is, yeah. I, uh, I just wanted it to be fun, and you know, when you're writing in, you know, science fiction and space and that kind of thing, yeah, all rules are off, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, I've got a planet made of bubble wrap, <laughs> you know, and and one that's underwater and and uh, patrolled by security prawns. Anything goes. So no, you, you, you just said security prawns. Security prawns, yeah, two prawns. You know, you, the, <laughs> they bring the muscle, 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 seafood, muscle. Yeah, it, it's it's always impressive. Um, and always good fun. I mean, this is uh, say an, another of, of the, the wide-ranging pieces of work in in your uh, your repertoire. I'm, I'm I'm still trying to get over the the, the, the chicken colouring book thing. Um, that I don't know what I was thinking then. <laughs> it's uh, still available though. What was that? That was a series of uh, classical paintings, wasn't it? Done, yes. Um, with chickens. With chickens. Yeah. yeah. That you could colour in yourself. 
Yes, that's right. Yeah, between you and me, Jason, it wasn't a massive seller. Uh, but, uh, but it was such good fun. I, I like the fact that I seem to know more about your work than you do. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> no, but there is a, a wide range of, of Chris White product out there, and everything from the vegetarian vampire uh, through to now the work of the team from Shell, who will be going off saving planets all over. And you've already mentioned this is going to turn into another series? Yes, I was very, very hopeful when I did this, and kind of subtitled it episode one <laughs> the horse awakens just in case anybody because when you're writing these things you never know if any well one if anybody's going to read them two if anyone's going to publish them and three if they're going to be any good and hopefully i've ticked all the boxes there so uh, yes episode one obviously then it's you've got the pressure of of writing a sequel which is quite exciting i started it last week actually it's quite exciting i've never written a sequel to anything before and that throws up a whole uh, new bunch of challenges. Well, there That's you it. go. What will happen to the clan? Who will the an extra member of the team be? Will it be a turtle? What? Well, I think exclusively, uh, Jason, on your show, we can confirm there will be a turtle involved. Oh, I'm I'm already over overwhelmed completely with the, <laughs> with, with with the concept now. So, uh, uh, I mean, can we think of anything else with the shell on that's gonna they're gonna fit in here that we haven't already covered the major um, almost food groups of? So um, this is gonna be <laughs> interesting. Uh, yeah, uh, we, uh, I, I, I love the, the the robot egg. That, that that was a good one. So the egg shell. That, that for anybody who hadn't spotted that, but. You know, there is still a few opportunities out there for some more uh, shell-based puns. Yes, if anybody can think of any other shell-based uh, creatures, then do send them in, um, because I think I'm out. I can't think of any more. We, we may have to uh, look at the shell policy of just recruiting creatures with shells. I know that's controversial, but, um, you know... We could open it up to the wider galaxy of creatures. I think there's a diversity question in there, and it's yeah, one it's that you'll enjoy answering. It's in... inclusive these days. So, you know, it, it, maybe Shell is a bit too behind the times, and we need to open up to all creeds, colours, religions, and non-Shell-based animals, maybe. That could happen. Chris, give us all the details on where we can find all of this nonsense. It's... Uh, <laughs> it's I'm going to put that on the back of the next book. All this nonsense. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's available um, in all top uh, bookshops across the galaxy. Um, the usual places online, all those places we say, oh, I'm not shopping there, but we do. Um, <laughs> and also your uh, local bookshop, if you go in and pester them. I'm not sure if it's that. It's, it's kind of, it was released a couple of weeks ago, but it takes forever to creep onto the shelves. Yes. Shelves. Shelves. Um, that was... That was... Again, I'm writing that one down. I'm using that in the. That sequel. was absolutely your level of humour. Yeah, it was as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so everywhere that good books are sold, you will find this um, in there. And it, it is a good book. It's going to be bound to be. It's got Chris White's name on the front and his drawings all over it, which is why we like it. Give us your website as well, please, sir. It's veggievampire.com. So we will find out more about the the next in the series of Shell as it comes to uh, the, the world. We'll look forward to that tale. And uh, more work in the not-too-distant future, I trust. Chris, always good to speak to you. Thank you for joining us, and I look forward to seeing you in real life soon. Thank you. Take care. With Freedom Day upon us and the fact that people are going to be heading out more, we could well see the return of anxiety. This is the worry of getting a hangover. To tell us more, I'm joined now by medical advisor to the government, Dr Alex George, and from Kelenio, I've got Ellie Webb. Hello to you both. Hi, Jason. 
Hello. Right, so first of all, Ellie, explain a bit about the fact you've run this survey. Yeah, so Caleno, we make non-alcoholic drinks. So Caleno is a tropical non-alcoholic spirit. And we've commissioned research into anxiety, um, which has revealed some very interesting stats about the, the state of the nation at the moment. When we're coming to the, uh, the, the, the freedom and the fact that uh, we are going to be out enjoying ourselves a little bit more, hopefully no one going to excess and, of course, still behaving sensibly and making sure we don't mix with anybody who might have coronavirus, uh, the, the, this, this can lead to anxiety. Uh, Alex, explain a bit more about the, the, the anxiety that is going on here. It's quite interesting to look at uh, people's behaviours. So essentially through lockdown, the start of lockdown, a lot of people saw a bit more, but actually as lockdowns had progressed, people's drinking habits decreased. So around 47% of Gen Z and 34% of millennials decreased their drinking during lockdowns. But as the lockdowns are coming out, we're seeing around one in four saying that they're drinking more alcohol. Uh, and importantly, you know, there's as many as uh, two thirds saying that actually um, they're experiencing this anxiety. So anxiety, what we're saying is the next day, feeling worried about the last night, uh, feeling a state of having palpitations and a state of being on edge and just generally not feeling you know, yourself. And it's, it can actually have a really significant impact on people's mood. It can take days to kind of recover from that hangover. So what we're saying is let's have a balance. You know, uh, Clenio, for example, is a non-alcoholic uh, spirit. You can go out and have a drink and enjoy, but, you know, try and avoid having those hangovers. So it's not losing those good habits you formed throughout uh, lockdown. Yeah, because I mean, people will probably uh, be, be craving going out for a drink and the experience, but the alcohol is a lot less important to that, isn't it? It's, it's, for many, it's not just about going out and getting drunk, uh, particularly because they'd be able to do that a lot more cheaper than they would normally anyway, on the grounds that they haven't had a drink for so long. But yeah, why not keep those good <laughs> habits and uh, enjoy something which is, has got a good taste of it, but doesn't have the after effects? And, and it's those after effects and binge drinking, which is probably a, even worse for us than, than having been drinking small amounts regularly in the past yeah i mean it's not about becoming i i enjoy having an alcoholic drink but it's i quite like using the non-alcoholic drinks as as a you know a, 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 to swap out some of those for example have you know one drink that has alcohol in it one that doesn't and it means that you're you know very much enjoying but not having as much of the alcohol in total so it's, again it's about that balance isn't it i'm not cutting out alcohol entirely i just think it's finding a little bit more leveling up and making sure that we're not in a state that we're already quite anxious in we're not doing anything to add to that anxiety and Elliot Colinio, obviously, you've got uh, a range of products which allow people to do just that. And it's uh, when you're drinking a spirit, it, it's more than just, again, the alcohol content. It's, it's the flavour that you get with it, that tingle on your tongue. It's about the whole experience. And you're giving that, but without the alcohol content. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, people are bored of going out and, and if they're not drinking or want to balance their drinking and drink less alcohol, a Diet Coke, J2O glass of water just isn't cutting it anymore. <laughs> People want to go out and have a great experience and have great cocktails and, and well-made drinks. And Caleno delivers on that. You know, you can make use both of our products. Um, we have them behind lots of bars in the UK and restaurants, which is great now, now they're opened back up. And people can go in there and order a really nice cocktail and have two or three. And or like Alex says, if you want to balance and have one alcoholic drink and then switch to some non-alcoholic drinks, that's absolutely fine. We're, I think we want to encourage people to keep some of those positive habits that they've, that they've got during lockdown and where they have been drinking less, just, just to keep those, not to lose those and go back to old ways.
yeah, without uh, you know going for it for the for the sake of it, you're actually going out and having something you will enjoy. Uh, and Alex, again, you you mentioned the the one on one off thing, and this is all vitally important. We our bodies when are metabolizing alcohol use quite a lot of water, don't they? So it it is again a, a good way of making sure that you don't end up dehydrated, which is a big part of that hangover uh, by having drinks alternating between something alcoholic and something non-alcoholic. Yeah, for, for sure, it's a very important point that you know to make sure you are consuming plenty of water. You know, especially when you're having drinks in the night you say very important when you come home from night out say you've had a bit too much to drink consume plenty of water before bed to rehydrate as much as possible because then actually what happens is when you go to bed you're already in a state of dehydration because the alcohol when you're asleep at night obviously not consuming alcohol that actually allows your body to become more dehydrated so worsening effects really of the hangover in the morning so make sure in the morning we get up uh, if you need painkillers for sore head take some painkillers plenty of fluids have some food with carbs and stuff to give yourself some sugars because sometimes we feel a bit of jitteriness because of that uh, lower sugar levels um, and of course rest and recovery really from a hangover. But also equally uh, make sure we manage the peer pressure to drink and if we're having uh, something non-alcoholic that looks exactly like an alcoholic drink actually the pressure's off because they don't know that we're drinking sensibly. Yeah I, I, that's what I enjoy about it you know it, it's not about it's not about feeling you're missing out you're not missing out on enjoying a drink you enjoy the taste of and enjoy the experience you're not missing out on being around people it's not necessarily withdrawing stuff in that situation it's just as we say finding a balance and knowing your limits as well you know a lot of people haven't drunk for a long time so when you go out and have a drink you might find actually your tolerance is so much lower so it might take you a pint or so and then you're really feeling the effects of the alcohol so you know we don't want to be in situations where we're not in control you know so that's 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 for me a very important point as well yeah whatever happens this is another great way of allowing us to drink sensibly and make sure that we still have an enjoyable night out with these say the experience but not the after effects and uh, ellie tell us about the flavors that you offer in the range yeah so we've got clenio light and zesty which is a sort of trough balance of tropical spice and citrus botanicals and you mix that with tonic over ice and then we've also got dark and spicy which is a darker richer blend of pineapple coconut uh, fresh lime and vanilla and you mix that with it's beautiful with ginger ale over ice so, so maybe something which goes for maybe your gin drinker and your rum drinker there would that be the right sort of feel yeah so if you're into your if you're into your darker spirits i'd recommend dark and spicy and if you prefer your sort of lighter more refreshing spirits like gin then i'd go for a light and zesty uh, alex are you light and zesty in this case I, I go between the two, but I think, you know, certainly today, I think on a, on, a, on a sunny day that it is, I think a light zest would be quite nice, I think, this afternoon, I'd say, you know, the sun shining, a bit of ice, very nice indeed. Sounds like a, a good plan to me. Uh, <laughs> Ellie, where do we go for more information? So you can head to Kalenio uh, Drinks, our social media, we're all over Instagram, or kaleniodrinks.com to find out more about our drinks and, and purchase them as well. We're also available in Sainsbury's nationwide. So you can check out there. Kalenio, C-A-L-E-N-O. And you've got a little twiddly thing. What's the twiddly thing called over the end? It's called a tilde. So it's so, uh, so the, the name originates from Colombia, uh, where my family's from. And there's a lot of inspiration. I mean, the tropic ingredients, the, the reason that the bottles are so vibrant and colourful stems from Latin America. So a little squiggle over the end is a tilde. Well, we're, we're liking that. We're liking the brand and the style. And the important bit is that we can go out and enjoy a drink. And if we don't want people to know we're not drinking spirits, they, they won't. If, if, if someone has a sniff of your drink, because, oh, we should try this. It's nice. Obviously, you won't because it's COVID. But, uh, you know, you, you, can, uh, uh, you can make sure that well they don't buy their own. I think that's the way it should work, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Well, Alex, George and Ellie Webb, thank you both for joining us. Thank you, Jason. Thanks for having us.
The magical fairy tale of Cinderella arrives at Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre, finally. From the 4th of December through to the 9th of January, two of the stars of the show are AJ and Curtis, who are with me now. Hello, boys. Hello. How are, how are you? I'm good. You all right? Very well, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm just happy to be actually in a theatre now. I feel like it's a light at the end of the tunnel. We are actually going to have pantomimes back, people in here, and being able to just perform. It's scary to feel, well, to actually say, the last time that we were performing was the day that everything got cancelled in March, like, two years ago. And that was strange, wasn't it? It's, it's been oh. a, a funny time. There's been stuff which has come out of it which has been great. I mean, Zoom calls, who'd have thought it? But everybody's loved doing that, sort <laughs> of. But, sort um, of. Yeah. <laughs> we still don't know how to work Zoom. No, no, yeah, no. Probably, but... uh, probably on mute. But, I mean, as we talk now, we're still socially distanced, which is a, a bit peculiar, so I don't get a selfie. But, uh, I mean, this, this is the start of things, and Cinderella's going to be a massive pan. So you've got the advantage of the fact that the Grand are putting all of this on themselves. So we've got a show which is going to be you know, homegrown, and you guys get to help build it. Oh, this is literally incredible. Like AJ said, it's this is sort of the first thing back for us, the big thing, performing back on stage, live theatre, what we love to do. And this show, they've got that LED wall, which is just going to... It adds a whole other element to the show. Like We've just watched a video of it, and I'm not even joking. The scene changes. The scene changes. It, it's seamless. It just shoots straight past. So it's perfect. And kids are brought up on iPads, on iPhones, all of these things in, the, in this day and age. So watching an LED screen with the live elements as well, uh -huh. it's just going to touch home even more with kids. It, it really, really is. And they're going to get engrossed into it, love it, and just get overwhelmed and excited with this whole performance. And it is part of the Panto magic. And uh, when it comes to being brothers playing these two parts, because we've got Prince Charming and Dandini, this is going to be interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's... I think the one nice thing with this scenario, especially these two roles, is for us... It obviously, Kurt, Kurt likes doing the comical side. And for us being brothers, we don't have to kind of work at it. We know each other's time. We look at each other. We can kind of work out what's going to be said and done. So it's so relaxed. And I think Kurt always does a different live performance. I don't know how to say this for everybody watching. <laughs> Kurt's always spontaneous. He always keeps me on my toes. So we have, obviously, a rough, like, what's supposed to happen. You know One, what the two, script three. says. Yeah. Yeah. And Kurt is usually... <laughs> yeah. Kurt always keeps us on our toes, which is entertaining, especially when it comes to a pantomime. He knows he can get away with it because he says it's a pantomime. So... Um, Every performance is going to be 110%. Curtis goes above and beyond. I'm not saying I don't go above and beyond, but Curtis is on another level sometimes. <laughs> or another planet, is that? Mm, yeah. You can say yeah. that, I can't, actually. You can say that. As long as he keeps his feet on the floor, we're fine. That's all good. I mean, but you, you've, cause you've done Panto before, haven't you? Yes, yes. I, I, I played Dick in Dick Whittington, uh, uh -huh. High Wickham. Fantastic show, yeah. But it's the first time working together on something like this. This is the first time working together in a pantomime format, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Now, um, it's, it's going to be good. It's going to bring a whole new element to our performance. It's going to be a growing and learning curve for us. But the main thing is it's going to be good fun going to be entertaining and it's going yeah. to be very very enjoyable to watch yeah because cinderella i mean no spoilers here but cinderella does get to go to the ball um <laughs> and uh but that means dancing and if we're going to ask anyone to get involved with dancing are you two are the boys aren't you let's face it well we 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 know a couple of moves here <laughs> or there so i think that we may uh maybe able to bust them out on stage I, I can't wait to actually be on stage dancing in a nice I don't, I, don't I, don't, know what you're wearing, I don't know what I'm wearing yet. Yeah. <laughs> you may be saying nice until you put it on. You're like, oh gosh, this is chafing. It's probably tight, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. No, but it's going to be great to be able to dance. And I think this pantomime itself, it's it's set perfectly. It's suited both of us being able to dance and which 
just going to have fun. She's going to be out there performing and just making everybody smile. And have you got any Panto memories that it's going to sort of invoke from when you were kids? I mean, is, is this something... Have you been to Pantos as kids? Because not everybody gets a chance we to. We did go to pantomimes as a kid, but not, not as many as we probably should have because we were always busy doing kind of performing and, and actually... In the school, we had dancing. We had dancing, that, yeah. yeah. And we were always into our extreme sports, so um, <laughs> we were always just kind of like out and about in the countryside. So no, it, I think what's really good for us is kind of both have done pantomimes before performing in it, but doing it together is a whole new experience. And it's something we've always wanted to do. It's something we were really aiming towards doing. Um, so for it to actually come true, it's kind of, yeah, it's a bit of a dream together. It's it's going to be good. We're looking forward to it. And uh, I was, with, with the reality TV stuff you've done as well, you used to react into audiences, even though that's been a bit more remote. But you used to strange things in anything that life can throw at you. And Panto is there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, 100%. Like when we were kids, we were in our dancing, we used to perform to a live audience anyway. And mm. whilst the ladies had to get changed into their dresses, which could take five, 10 minutes sometimes. More like 15, 20. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on, on, a, on a bad day, yeah. We would literally be thrown in front of the audience, given a microphone by mum and dad, and said, talk for 10 15 minutes talk talk to the audience so we're used to that live element and we love that live element we do because it keeps you on your toes and you never know what's going to happen which is good live tv is good but it's usually like you've got two three one got gone whereas actually with a pantomime you're able to interact and it's so it's so nice especially with this theater i feel like every single seat you can physically see the people you can you can pick them out and you can kind of you can you can use them for for your positive and them and and it's really nice to be able to kind of have that element sometimes it feels like you you don't always get that and the architecture this is this is the most beautiful theater that i've ever been in i feel like this genuinely is when we stood on stage when we came in before i just looked around and it is a grand it's a grand theater (laughs) you feel at home you feel like shows are meant to be put on in this place which is good for a theater that's what you want well i will say break a leg we're looking forward to the show (laughs) it is coming to wolverhampton's grand theater it is a homegrown production from the 4th of december right the way through to the 9th of january 01902 429212 is a box office number grandtheater.co.uk get your tickets now come and see these boys doing their thing it's going to be worth it isn't it lads a hundred (laughs) percent That's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining me back with episode 631 next week. I hope I'll see you then. So off for now. Goodbye from the milk bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye from the milk bar. Yeah.